Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about card games and things about <laughs> card games and, and things that DBN and I like to talk about. And that's what this episode is about. In addition to that, it's also about the new card game in the Cthulhu Mythos coming out called Call of Myth. We got an interview tonight with one of the developers. I, I think it's safe to uh, have called her the, the community manager. That, that seems community. to be the, the general vibe of, of her role. So, yeah. Yes. It, you know what? I, I'm going to mispronounce her name like three times. On the, well, Help me out, Ian. Yulia. Yulia. Oh, there yeah. we go. Yulia. So, Yulia is going to be on the show here in a little bit. Um, coming in from Russia, talking to us about their new card game which is a pretty exciting, which is what most of this episode is about. But between here and there, DBN and I are just talking about us, I think. Stuff. Stuff. Whatever talking, stuff talking. Whatever stuff comes up. Um, <laughs> we're going to start it. <laughs> Who just, even knows what we're going to talk about? You never know with Ian and Mark. It's just uh, a <laughs> flip of the coin. <laughs> Season one was Tesla. Season two is we talk about bullcrap. Season three, this becomes a comedy show. <laughs> we just and, and not good comedy either. No, just bad. just garbage puns and <laughs> just situational humor that you can't even relate to. So why bother? I mean, we're just talking about whatever. Just mostly, it's us just laughing is is what it's going to be. So laughing <laughs> uh, <laughs> nonsense because we record late at night and we're just totally gassed and everything's funny at that point. Yeah, yeah, that, that's just that's just where we are. So, welcome to episode number twenty-seven. I'm so tired. A podcast that was about the Elder Scrolls Legends, and now, <laughs> let's just face it, who the hell knows? Um, <laughs> so, this is the level of professionalism you can expect from. Now we well we don't have we don't have any patrons anymore, so we have no responsibility to that's anybody. Right. We're not tied down anymore. We can tank this thing, not feel no <laughs> regret. We are a strong and independent podcast who don't need no backers. No, no. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the weirdest intro. Um, okay, so welcome to the show, guys. We're we're so glad you're here with us. Um, and, and this whoever is, remained after that. This is yeah. This is another in between episode. Um. And if you want to get to the part that's good, skip to like minute, probably like 16, 18, um, <laughs> when we actually do something intentional. Um, but DBN, uh, how are you doing, man? <laughs> uh, I'm peachy. Uh, and I'm also punchy because I am, got my new job and I get up at seven now as opposed to getting up at like nine. Uh, so uh, it's about bedtime. Uh, and uh yeah but I, I i've been good and and the job's going well so thank you to everybody who uh messaged me uh with some support there's a couple people and and i appreciate you guys a couple people asked me about the job i think i missed that um and i just i'm sorry i didn't get back to you but everything was super overwhelming uh but it's going well so i i appreciate that and uh you know switching from working two to four part-time jobs which is what i was doing before that sounds super chaotic and it 100 is but it's really more difficult to kind of micromanage uh it's a whole other thing when you're just working eight hours a day 
in an office. You know, it's a very sure. big transition. And so it's something I've kind of, especially sleep schedule wise, just kind of general priorities as well as like planning ahead. Well, what am I having for lunch tomorrow? I better make a sandwich for myself. You know, like little things like that get a lot, uh, take a lot more time up, you know, uh, washing uh, my work clothes. You know, like like those, those sorts of things you don't really think about until you have to go into an office, you know, in business casual five days a week. Uh, so <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I actually haven't as much time to play card games as I want. I mean, I still get to play my once a week Legend of the Five Rings, which you guys have probably heard way more about than you probably want to hear. Uh, too because bad. It's not a digital card game. But you know what? Too um, bad. Yeah, too bad. It's. Yeah, that's not going anywhere. But I did get to play some Tessel. <clears throat> Interesting thing. I'm just kind of rambling now, and then you can talk. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, that's fine. But interestingly, uh, something, and I'm not even bitter about it. I'm just kind of, like, uh, surprised. Or maybe I'm not surprised. But um, since, so I still make Tessel videos on YouTube. I, I've been my YouTube. I apologize to anyone who follows my YouTube very closely. Um, it, the last couple of weeks, I've been kind of off the schedule, trying to give videos once or twice a weekend when I can, and not not really completing my objective of the three videos a week that I promised. Sorry. One of the things though that I've noticed is that my since Elder Scrolls Legends has been canceled, my Elder Scrolls Legends videos always seem to get at least a few dislikes. Uh, and I almost general dislike yeah general dislike of the game I think people are like resentful and they're like this dislike this will show them stop making videos this is like an extension like they're actually they're actually giving the thumbs down to Bethesda but they're doing it through you it feels that way I'm sure someone doesn't like me but you gotta figure those people wouldn't I don't have that many subscribers. <laughs> you figure they wouldn't check out the videos. But like before Tesla died, it was rare for me to get even a single dislike. And now almost all of my last few videos since it's been canceled have dislikes. And so I'm definitely feeling the uh <laughs> feeling the frustration. The and I can't, I can't even get mad about it. Like, I mean <laughs> From a metric standpoint, like any activity is good. Like what is it? What do they say in business? Like, uh, like, uh, was it any advertising? All or, news is good news. Well, that's not what I was going for, but that's what like, it is. That's what. No, that's not what it is. Uh, but you, like any any level of exposure is ultimately good because it gets your name out there, right? And so it's similar with YouTube metrics. I'm not worried about what the dislike means. It's just this interesting tidbit that I noticed because before it would never get a, a dislike, and I never have that thumbs down button. I'd be like, "Ooh, everybody likes my videos." <laughs> and now it's like everyone hates them, or rather. Someone hates all of the videos and takes the time to tell me that. Yeah, he's just <laughs> just coming just coming out coming out of the woodwork now. People not liking Tesla. Now, and that uh, that said, people really hated the Reanimator Scout deck when I made a video on that. They just really? des- they despised it. They it's one of it, my favorite decks. I, well, I think that's the. I think people have gotten beaten by it one too many times, and it's kind of going back to like the old. I think it's getting the sentiment of the old like rage, uh, slay warrior slash Evan Hart before nerfs to Falkreath's defiler. Uh-huh. 
I think people are getting those vibes and hating them and expressing that. I got so many dislikes on that video. And it was just, I was just kind of laughing. I was like, okay, guys. And it almost makes me like, you know, I, I've catered my audience to a certain point to be this um, competitive off meta is how I like to talk about it. It's off meta, but still can win games, right? But I think what I've, I may have backed myself into a little bit of a corner because I don't think I can actually play decks that are widely considered good because people also widely consider them to be unfun or stupid, the good decks. And so I'm almost interested, in, like, I'm just going to I'm going to build meta token crusader next week and see how many dislikes I get then. You know, <laughs> I, you know what? It's just like if there's a. If you're if you're still playing this game and you're ticked <laughs> off because there's a deck out there that's running around on ladder that you don't like, stop. Just stop playing. Just don't it, play play it. There's game. literally nothing is ever going to be done about that. It no. We are at the point right now where we're literally nothing that reanimator scout is not going away until the day the servers go down. So just like I don't know and, what to tell you, stop playing. It's, it's fun, but I don't know if it's that good. I don't know if it's so good that everyone no, has to freak out about it. It's not. It loses to every deck that runs Mournhold Trader. Like, yeah, it's right? <laughs> if your deck has Mournhold Trader, which is like two thirds of decks that have green in them, right? Then you just you lose almost automatically. Because that deck can't deal with a two-mana 4-4. Just can't. You know, it also really can't deal with Young Mammoth. And it, it, all, it sometimes struggles to deal with Corn or Crown Quartermaster. You, you don't like the Reanimator Scouts. Corn. This the guy stockpiles ears of corn all day long. The Corn Quartermaster. I want that alt art. I want that guy. <laughs> well, you know, she's holding the dagger. You know, you just get a big old ear of corn in there. The corn, the corn quartermaster is a is a zero one. What is the effect of the corn quartermaster? You put you put a you put a one cost corn in your hand, of course. Yes, yes. And that, I don't know what the corn does. Um, well, it gets in your teeth, and <laughs> and that's and that's that's about it. No one will take this podcast seriously ever again. There comes the corn quartermaster. <laughs> the corn quartermaster. Out of the blue, watch out. Here he comes. Oh, no. He's uh, an agricultural masterpiece right yeah. there. <laughs> That's a card I want in my deck. Um the corn uh, Okay, so so I've been playing I've been playing a little bit of Tessel. Uh I've been working on completing hundred percent of the collection because it's one of the only things I care about doing. And I'm <clears throat> I'm pretty close. I dusted a bunch of like copies, extra copies of epics that I'll never play and and turn them into cards. I, I I've I've completed everything except the classic set. I have a handful of legendaries and epics from the classic set and a handful of epics, like five or six epics from promotional cards that I've missed. And that's about it. So I've been playing a little bit. I did go and play in LMAO's tournament, um, the Archon Arena tournament this past Saturday. Um and that was that was fun. I had a lot. Of, I I lost in in round one to Warlock, who I think he was in the finals. I don't know if he won or not, but I think he won um, the second qualifier round. So feels pretty good to get knocked out by the guy who wins. Oh yeah, um, Arkham Warlock's a, a good guy, a good player and a good guy. Oh, was is that Arkham Warlock or Warlock? 
Oh, is there a different? I assume I don't it was Alpha Warlock because he has been playing in the events. Oh, oh no, that probably was him. I didn't, I didn't realize that is who I would be playing against. I used to watch him stream. That's awesome. Um, yeah, he's a cool guy. He, he used to yeah. also do those, uh, those Tesla. Um, what do you call them? Surveys, where he would do all these surveys and then break them down because he's like a he's like an analytics guy, like a okay. a statistics guy. So he would break down all the statistics and do these big surveys. It's actually pretty cool. I I wish that the uh, <clears throat> Uh, Bethesda did more with those surveys. Oh, that would have been yeah, that'd been really nice. Um, yeah, so uh, I he played like movement, uh, like movement assassin and movement monk, and I brought with me my dragon dominion deck and my something else, and then I also brought my skeleton deck. Um, and so, <laughs> I, and, and my closest game to beating him was with was with skeletons. I was one damage off with a bone de- like. If I had played my bone daddy, I would have landed one damage off and I was distracted. I, I really didn't have time to actually run through the whole tournament, but I, you know, I wanted to be able to say that I played in a Tesla tournament. So I did. Yeah, did. Um, that was fun. But a lot here's here's what I'm far more excited about than Tesla right now is mm. that the right now it is uh, uh, January 22nd, 2020 and tomorrow, January 23rd. Those who uh, pre-registered for or were in the beta test for Legends of Runeterra get into Legends of Runeterra tomorrow about 1 o'clock EST. And so about 1 o'clock p.m. tomorrow, I'm going to be getting access back into Legends of Runeterra um, in their open beta. It is open to everybody starting the following day on Friday at around 11 or around 1 o'clock EST, 11 o'clock PST. Um, And so... That's exciting to me. I'm really excited to be playing Legends of Runeterra. So that's what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. Going to be, uh, well, it'll be yesterday by the time you listen to this. So starting yesterday, I will have started to stream a little bit of Legends of <laughs> Runeterra and uh, and been begun checking that out. So I'm I'm personally super super excited for Legends of Runeterra. Um, that's definitely going to be one of my card games that I'll that I'll play regularly. That's the one I'm going to give a genuine effort to it'll be the first one that i've downloaded and begun playing since the tesla announcement so pretty pumped about that yeah i I feel like i I think i pre-registered for it i know i did on my phone we'll see yeah i hope i get in tomorrow because well i actually i don't know if i'll have time tomorrow um i won't really have time friday either We'll see. Sometime I'll play some Lessons of Frutera. Uh, is the mobile client coming out too? It is not. That is slated for later in 2020. Okay. So, so it's just on the PC I have to be honest though. I have been I've been trying to kind of like study up on it, and in a lot of cases, I I find like I used to be able to like watch guides of games I didn't play and like get really hyped about them. Like, oh man, look at this, and they're playing it. I can't track what the hell is going on in Frutera. Runeterra? Runeterra? Mm-hmm. How do you say sure. it? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, I can't figure out what's going on. Uh, like, cards are upgrading, and cards are going here, and, and I try to watch other people play. And Charmer's got a video, I think, where he kind of goes over the basics and stuff like that. And I, I get, like, the core mechanics of it, but when I watch somebody play, because I don't know what the cards do, nobody yes. ever, like, slows down enough to show the cards. Which, like, I get because I don't do that when I play Tesla. I just, you know, kind of assume people will 
if they're really, if they don't, I, I mean, really the only people that watch my Tesla videos are people already know Tesla. So like part of that, I guess, is knowing the audience, but I'll, I'll watch, like, I try to watch gameplay of Legend of Atari and I just can't follow it and I get bored. I don't think that will indicate how I'll feel playing the game, sure. but it is worth noting, like, I, I, it, I, looking at it, I don't know what's going on. Looking at it, I have to make guesses about how things are working, why things are doing what. I see all these animations. I'm like, I don't, I can't put together a a definitive idea of how this game is being executed as I'm watching. Therefore, there's no point in me watching this. I won't learn anything. So I've just been turning it off, which maybe is a good thing. Maybe that'll make me super hype when I finally get my hands on it, and I'll it'll feel like a whole new world. It might. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I do find it a little frustrating because no, I, I want to kind of get some time to look at the stuff before doing it. I completely agree. Um, actually, when I started watching Legends of Runeterra, I was like, what is happening? Like, yeah, there's swinging blades and full screen animations. And what is, what's going on? How is the attack phase working? Why do people keep clicking past turn? How are these actions going out? I don't understand the speed of these actions. There's so much that is actually, and actually it reminds me a lot of like, if you were someone who did not play Magic the Gathering and you were to watch someone play MTG Arena, you'd have a pretty similar experience because there's constantly spells being targeted, things going on the stack, all this stuff going on around you. And then it's, it's like weird because it, it, they people attack at different stages and people play cards before they attack, after they attack, all this sort of stuff. And there's definitely a lot of inspiration from MTG in this. Uh, and inspiration from Hearthstone. It pairs a lot of that together. So I, I was confused as well. I will say this, that although I was confused, once I started, once I got into the beta, um, I, through the tutorial, I was like immediately like, okay, I know how this works. Um, I can do this. Now, I understood how it worked. Actually executing on it was super hard when I first right. started playing the game because the decision-making on when to attack and when to hold off attacking, when to play more cards, when not to spend your mana, when to pass turn and risk your opponent passing turn and then getting the initiative on the attack is really, there's a lot, a lot of intricacies with just the pass turn button in the game. Like when you click mm -hmm. pass and when you don't click pass and how you use your mana, there's a lot of intricacies with it. Like every card game, there, especially with a game like Legends of Terra there will be a very quick, swiftly established meta, like over free, like overnight. Like you're going to see an established yeah. meta like very, very quickly in this game. Um, and I think you're going to see those meta decks quick as well. Um, simply because Legends of Runeterra has been very clear about the fact that this game is going to be extremely generous. Like this is supposedly going to be one of the easiest games to build a collection in that there is. I hope that's true. Uh, yeah, I hope so too. There's thing is that they are going to sell yeah, a cosmetics. lot of cosmetics, a lot, and like new boards, new heroes, new ch I don't know if it's heroes, new boards, new champs, like card backs, all sorts of different stuff. Which I'm sure most of it will be pretty highly priced because it is in in you know uh, their main game, um, which is League of Legends. I know that. I, I didn't forget the name for a second. League of um, Legends. <laughs> yeah, Le it, it's League of Legends. Um, so, uh, but I'm okay with that because I don't mind 
personally paying for cosmetics. It's frustrating for me when I get into a game and I, I just cannot keep up with it. And I keep having to blow money on it to, to keep a decent deck. So I will say one thing I was disappointed to see uh, in the alpha beta, closed beta, I guess. They had sure. that beautiful little board with the river running through the middle, and, right? Sure. Correctly. No, maybe not. Maybe. But I remember, I remember looking at the board that you play in Runeterra, and it was just, it was adorable, and this green grass and a little river running through. And they did something that I didn't like, which was to make each player's board separate based on their cosmetics. Mm-hmm. It creates this big color clash and i'm genuinely concerned that maybe it won't stop me from playing the game but i'm genuinely concerned it's going to visually turn me off um Mm -hmm. gwent moved away from that they used to do what runeterra decided to go to which was to say hey uh you know we used to have two split boards so if you're playing on this board and i'm playing on this other board they're going to blend and honestly the blending wasn't awful but it stopped them from doing really cool experimental things that they did in the future which is like they have one where you're, the entire board is on a ship with water rushing past on the edges it looks dope mm. uh, and if i had expendable income i would buy it but i don't have expendable uh, expendable income right now so you know maybe when i get my next paycheck i will buy it but the point is um they moved away from that because they felt like it was limiting and it was also a little visually jarring. And this is very visually jarring. And I'm just a little concerned about if that's one, I, I can see them eventually backtracking on it like Gwent did. Um, and I just don't want them to go too deep in the money of things like people paying for it for them to backtrack. What I would recommend really is just for them to say, you, you play on the board you've bought. And yeah, you, and it covers they, the whole you board. See, you see your board, and they see their board. And if you want to switch your boards out, you can. If you want to put them on random, if you bought all the boards and you want it to be random, you can do that. I just, or maybe like whoever goes first, it's their board. That's what Gwent does. Like whoever the first player is, I think uh, it's their board uh, because they're being ambushed or whatever. I forget exactly what the the, the vague correlation is. Who the, who's got the home field advantage is basically whatever the, well, the situation is. I, I mean, they have the technology to do this because when you play, um, when you play, uh, not Legends, uh, there's too many games, Teamfight Tactics, um, you do have a board. And when, you know, your opponents come to your board, they play on your board. When you go to their board, right. you play on their board. Um, yeah. And so like they have the ability to just like generate the board that you've chosen to have be the cosmetic and not have to clash. I think they're kind of going for like a play mat. Like I have a play mat and you have a play mat, yeah, but, but it doesn't look visually great. It's not going to come across that way. And, and frankly, the board is already a little squishy, kind of like Hearthstone's board is a little squished square, a little, little blocky, like square. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so like, whereas like Tessels was a little bit felt a little more elongated. And I'll, I'll say that's one of the things that drove me nuts about Tessel one of a very minor it's a such a minor thing i've never really brought it up before but i wish i could pick which board i wanted to play on of the available boards i wanted to play on the oblivion board i thought the jaws of oblivion board was dope i happen to understand a lot of people felt like it was too bright well shouldn't we be able to choose like that seemed like especially with it all being free what what the hell does it matter you know yeah instead Uh, of just generating a random one 
right. Why can't we just pick which one I want to see? Because ultimately, who are we trying to please? Me. You know? <laughs> and so I, I guess I'm just a little concerned about that. But that's that is the fact that that's my only nitpick dictates the fact that I really know almost nothing about the damn game. And I guess I'll find out tomorrow. Yeah, or I mean, it, Friday. I it's going to be. Saturday. It's going to be the big news in card games, right? And, um, well, you know, hopefully Ian loves it because if he doesn't love it, well, <laughs> I don't know who we're going to be talking. This, this yeah. show is going to take some weird turns. I'll tell you that much. We'll get that um, comedy show started now. Yeah, we'll get that comedy show kicked off. But, yeah, I mean, that's the big news for me is, is Bruntera. Um, but uh, I don't know about you, man, but I really feel like maybe we should get to this interview. Yeah, I'm very excited, and uh, hopefully you guys will be as excited as we are about Call of Myth and what they've got going on, the project they're working on over there. Yeah, we got some good stuff going on, so let's go ahead and get over to that interview with the Call of Myth team and uh, get them in here in this call. So tonight we have with us, uh, right here on the podcast, um, one of the folks uh, from the team that is putting together an all-new digital card game based out of uh, the Lovecraft mythos, uh, the Cthulhu mythos. Um, the game is called A Call of Myth. This is a game that uh, has gotten a, a great deal of excitement, I've noticed, from people who are kind of lingering on the outskirts of the Elder Scrolls Legends. Um, it's gotten a good bit of excitement out of me. I know, Ian, you're pretty excited uh, about it. Um, so we got uh, somebody who's here with us for the very first time, um, Yulia from you're from Russia, correct? Yulia, is that, is yeah, that correct? right. Yulia is here from Russia, and and she hasn't even slept yet, and it's some <laughs> ridiculous hour where she is right now. So Yulia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, we're 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 super stoked. We're we're always excited to have any any guest on the show, at all. Um, oh, Yulia, yeah. what? Oh yeah, for sure. So Yuli, why don't you tell us a little bit? What do you do for the Call of Myth team? Um, tell us a little bit of kind of like what your role is and what you do with them. Well, since our team is like really small, there's like five people and some freelance artists. Not too many of them as well. So there's a lot of multitasking on the team so i'm basically a qa person <laughs> and uh, also an interpreter and uh, a bit of concept artists and stuff like that okay so you're working with people who are are posing just questions in general uh, about the game about what's going on but you're also are you doing a lot of the translation for your team uh, from my understanding your team's kind of across the world too, right? You're not all in one central location. Well, most of us are in Russian, are in Russia or speak Russian. So it's basically not very hard to communicate with the team. Okay. What's... I do communicate with people on Discord though. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. So what if, what's the name, how, how would you say the name Call of Myth in Russian? Um, I actually think we should still think about the translation because we haven't actually well the name was designed in English to begin with so <laughs> oh okay so it's, you still, did... it's still a work in progress 
Okay. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about how just like the, the project came about. Um, how, I mean, there's, I mean, obviously a group of you guys got together and decided you wanted to make a, a new digital card game. There's a lot of games in that land right now, kind of on the landscape for digital card games. Well, what, what brought about the, the passion project for putting together a Cthulhu themed one? Um, well, most of our team, we know each other for quite uh, quite some time. So we had this idea to make our own game sometime for for a while. And we didn't know what exactly it was going to be. But at some point, my friend came up, came up uh, my friend Andre came up with an idea that uh, we should do a CCG. And it should be in the Lovecraftian universe because, well, because Lovecraft is amazing and because, uh, well, some of us uh, really like CCGs. So I thought, why not? So um, I talked to my other friend and she's our lead artist. She's our art director. Okay. And we found some more people and that was it. Oh, well, that's that's awesome. So I don't know if you could tell us, I know enough about HP Lovecraft Be Dangerous, which is I know that there's unthinkable horrors and ancient gods and investigators. And I've played a few board games and I usually look for whatever person looks like they're doing karate or whatever person looks homeless. And that's usually my goal. I want to play <laughs> one of those two characters. And that's usually a guy named Ashcan Pete, as it turns out, in, uh, in uh, I think, Mansions of Madness, second edition. It's Ashcan Pete. Um, so tell us a little bit about the Lovecraft universe, the mythos, kind of like what, what was inspiring to you guys um, about that that made you want to, you know, create a card game around it? Um, I guess I guess mostly we just love the atmosphere and all the creatures even though most of them aren't exactly described very detailed <laughs> but uh, but still the concepts are of outer gods and old ones uh, they seemed like really interesting and and we actually thought about it we knew there wasn't a ccg in Lovecraft 10 setting, so we thought that maybe it's time to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, Ian, but I agree. Like, that's, that's a real sweet spot that has not been taken advantage of yet. Um, in a lot of other genres of gaming, um, I mean, HP Lovecraft stuff is open, like, open now. It's free source or whatever. Yeah. So anybody can use it without having to pay for the intellectual property um which gives you guys like a i mean that's awesome because you you don't, you don't have to purchase intellectual property to put your card game on you can develop the card game around the intellectual property without ever having to spend money you know purchasing the rights to it um at, at least that's how i understand it am i right about that yeah you're actually right this is one of the perks and uh, and uh, it gives you like the ability to expand the universe to bring something new in it and 
it's pretty cool, I think, because we love the universe and it would be really nice to just add something to it. Hmm. It's a nice well, sentiment. That, yeah, that's interesting. So are you guys, I mean, if, when we're talking about the game's release, which we'll get into, um, are you guys trying to add to the narrative kind of from the get-go a new story? Well, sort of. I mean, there isn't, well, CCG... CCGs aren't exactly all about narrative, I'd say, sure. but yeah. still we are trying to to bring some stories into it. We want we wanted to have. Um, God, this is really hard <laughs> to explain, but yeah, we would like to, we would like for it for there to be some development sure. in narrative. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. And I mean, the CCGs always sort of lend themselves to like uh, fun stories and and you know epic situations. And uh, I'm sure there will be those when you were playing your investigators out and defeating your opponents, old gods uh, and you know ancient beings and unspeakable <laughs> horrors that you guys get to dream up and come up with. And I must admit, we've seen some of the artwork from the game, and it's beautiful. Well, well, terrifying, I, more like. <laughs> yes. Yeah, unsettling, maybe. Yeah, um, definitely that. <laughs> but it's but it's it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, you guys have done uh, for a small team. The artwork is just really tremendous. I mean, absolutely incredible. Um, do you guys have a pretty decent size? I mean, you said you don't have a huge team. Um, do you have a couple of artists that you guys knew ahead of time that you really wanted to work with? Um, well, we had some artists that, uh, that we liked, well, we couldn't work with all of them, of course, but, uh, we just, we just chose a few that, that would be good for us. That would be, that would be, uh, that would be perfect, I'd say, because the atmosphere was really important for us and, uh, we already had one really good artist so that uh, she could actually manage other artists. She could tell them what we need. She could explain it to them. Yeah, because she kind of spoke that language already. Um, to, to, you know, she's an artist. So she's able to sort of connect with other artists in the same space. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that. Uh, that you have to work for a while like they don't get it from the first time but mm -hmm. eventually with all the advice with all the corrections we get the result yeah and I, I don't know ian i don't know if you've had a chance to check out some of the stuff on the discord but you guys have pretty consistently posted pictures um from the call of myth team of kind of like your original concept which looks like it was sketched on a napkin well, this is basically this is basically how it's been done <laughs> at the beginning. So we've been working for like seven months now, and before that, we had this paper version of our game, <laughs> and it, okay. it looked silly, but it actually, well, it served it, its its purpose, I guess. 
Sure. So you guys have been sort of messing around, kind of play testing this with paper versions of the of your cards. Um, yes. Before you got into the development of the game itself. Exactly. Oh okay. yeah, that that that's pretty fun. That that's classic old school uh, <laughs> game creation right there. Yeah, that is that is pretty awesome. And you got the image of you know sitting around grabbing a pencil and you know cutting out some pieces of paper, you know writing down the mechanics and the stats on the on your creatures, you know getting out erasing them and tweaking things. Um, that's some that's some awesome Kinda and really cool. cool yeah playtesting. I mean, that had to have been a lot of fun. We didn't have uh, any artists at the very beginning, but we wanted we wanted some visual. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. You got to have something to look at when you're playing uh, numbers and uh, letters. You have to have something in there to mix it up. <laughs> sure. Because ultimately, that's really all a card game is. is yeah. Is is mostly it's like ninety percent numbers and some text, um, but. Yeah the artwork has a tendency to sort of bring you into the environment and bring you into the spirit of that particular game um, and, and keep you there really. And that's one of the things that I've loved about the artwork that I've seen from the, from the call of myth team um, yeah. is it's already sort of drawn me in and getting me interested in, you know, well, I what guess this doing. is the first thing that catches, uh, catches the eye, you know, the artwork. Yeah. yeah. But the thing that, of course, keeps somebody there after the artwork is the mechanics. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how the game actually works? I know you guys kind of have like a, a two-lane system. I'm not really sure how it works. I've, I've seen it. kind of looks a little bit like Gwent, but I'm not real sure if it is. Um, I know you got like a couple of different sort of classes um, for things. You got a sanity mechanic, which, of course, every good Cthulhu game needs a sanity mechanic. Um, so how, what are some of the mechanics and, and how does the game column actually work? Well, the lane system, the lane system is quite easy. Actually, you have, uh, you have four lanes and two rows and the rows are like the melee role and the range role, like you've seen in Gwent, okay. <laughs> basically something like that. And, uh, you just cannot attack the enemy leader with your creatures if uh, if the uh, if there are enemy creatures on the same lane with your creature. Okay. Okay. So you so, have to attack the enemy creature first. Okay. So if I have them in my ranged row and um my opponent has creatures in his ranged row, I cannot shoot the enemy leader. But if I eliminate the ranged creatures in his ranged row, I don't even have to clear the melee creatures. I can attack that the opponent directly as long as he doesn't have things in his ranged row. If I'm I'd attacking, I'd say fine. actually melee melee creatures like well they're called fighters. Okay. Fighters they cannot choose their target. They have to attack the first creature they see. But gunslingers, the guys on the range row, they can actually attack. Uh, melee creature or gunslinger creature like they they don't care interesting but they they don't have much health so yeah they're a bit weaker than fighters interesting yeah so the flexibility uh is traded off by weaker stats hmm 
That's interesting. Kind of reminds me of Versus System, um, with which had a front and uh, a like a front row and a range row, and the range row could kind of attack up, um, but the front row protect. Now, do, do the do the melee row creatures protect the gunslingers behind them? Uh, they only protect them from an from other melee creatures. Okay, so if there was a so if there was a melee creature, um, in let's say the far left row or the far left lane, and there was no melee creature there, but there was a gunslinger, that melee creature, uh, would be able to attack the gunslinger, until yes. a melee creature was put in front of it. Yes, exactly. Okay, cool. So yeah, I mean that that's pretty neat. Uh, I kind of like that idea of having. To protect your threats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's something that like other. That's something that like other lane-based um, games, like you know, Tessel or even um, even Mythgard. Really, you, you can sort well Mythgard. You can play guards and stuff like that. But I like the idea of the lane itself being this um, layered experience. And so, like in Gwent, you have the two lanes, but they really just denote card effects um and stuff like that and so this is a very it seems like a an interesting little blend of the two which i kind of like which actually leads me to a question i had uh for you julia which i guess you know mark was kind of getting into the inspiration from the theme perspective uh i I don't have as much of a background into lovecrafty and stuff i played bloodborne i liked that i like that game that seems i liked it as well (laughs) yeah i've played that game a lot so I guess I like the theme in general, which is why I think the art is so intriguing to me, but I don't know anything. I've read the music of Ericsson, and that is it. That is the only Lovecrafty in anything I've, I've read. Um, but I guess my question is, if not the theme, what are you guys' CCG or gaming influences, and how does that kind of shape your your mechanics? Um. I can't I can't really say what exactly we based our game on. We actually were inspired by all the games, all the CCGs like uh, our game designer, he basically played all of them probably, I think. <laughs> and he's like really into them. And so he Oh my god, I'm sorry. My cat is trying to sabotage this interview (laughs) (laughs) cats are cats are fine they're welcome we like cats here yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay so so yeah it's like it's really hard to pinpoint which parts of the game were like inspired by other games Hmm. sure do you have a, a game that's your favorite within card games um i guess I'd say it's uh, the Elder Scrolls Legends, but oh, I'm nice. I'm more I'm more of a casual CCG games player. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not very good with difficult strategies and stuff. Well, I'm also a very casual CCG player, so I just like them. I just like them a lot, and I like talking about them. Um, <laughs> And it's always good to know that there's somebody out there who, well, I mean, I guess that means with uh, with Tesla's sad announcements um, that we've received uh, as of late that you guys probably want to get Call of Myth out there all the more because it will give you a CCG you can actually play. Um, I mean, you can play Tesla right now, but it's not, 
Well, then nothing new is happening. <laughs> not, not, nothing new is going to be happening in it anytime oh, soon. Oh, man. Well, well it's cool to hear. Go ahead. The, de- the desire to make uh, Lovecraft CCG was a bit based on our desire to play such a game. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. I mean, that's got to be it, right? You have. I feel like, especially for like a, a small studio, you have to love your product if you're going to pour that much effort and energy and and time into it. So that that's actually really encouraging to hear, you know, that you want to play it. The real problem is that as uh, as uh, lead of QA, as the only QA for now, I'm not sure if I'm going to be if I'm going to think the same way when the game is done. <laughs> because i'm gonna have to play it a lot yeah i'm sure you run the risk of dealing with a little bit of burnout um whenever it comes to being the person who's behind the scenes actually playing the game and putting it together um i mean if you've been playing it since you had it you know on handwritten scraps of paper um you would probably uh, so you guys have this I, i i'm really interested in the sanity mechanic because the cards have three stats on them, which in every other CCG that I play, and maybe DBN's played some that are different than this, but they have a health and a defense stat. But you guys have a health, a defense, and a sanity stat. So how does sanity work in in Call of Myth? Sanity is really important because if you lose it, you trigger madness. And madness, well, it's bad. (laughs) So it's like this negative effect that just comes into play and you always have to consider it when you play the game because your your creature it might be it might have full health it might be fine but if the sanity is going down you start you start being nervous now is the is the effect of madness is it going to be a a random effect or do you know what happens like let's say you know, I'm playing the equivalent of Ash Can Pete uh, in in Call of Myth, and I I've placed him in my deck, and if his madness goes down and he goes insane, do I know exactly what's going to happen when that happens, or yeah, is do. it random? Okay, okay. So can you give us? Are you able to give us any examples of of what happens when someone loses all their sanity and you know madness strikes? Uh. Okay, I think I can give you one example, but just one. Okay, that's fine. Like, uh, I think actually there's been already an example somewhere on Twitter, but still, your card, your cards cannot attack. For example, when they they cannot counterattack when they become mad. Okay. Okay. Unless now, kind of stranded. Is it so? Is like what I guess I'm trying to figure out is there's one static madness mechanic or are there different ones depending on different circumstances? There are different ones. Oh, okay, cool. But but uh, for for one deck, for one deck you play, it's always going to be, well, it's not always going to be the same, but um, it's the same for one game. Let's just, let's just keep it at that. Oh, okay. So you, you'll perhaps... get more details eventually. Okay. okay, so maybe like you don't have to confirm or deny, but maybe based on like leader mechanic or the enemy's leader mechanic or something like that. 
Maybe. Maybe. I'm not going to. I'm not. That's yeah, okay. You don't have yeah. to. I'm just going to start guessing. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I guess think it's fine. But that is that is cool though, and I, I like the idea that it 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 springs up and the 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 madness comes and has different forms. That's actually really cool. But I also do there are, like it. There are also cards that actually they react to madness, like to enemy madness, for example. So it's gonna it's gonna affect the game in different ways. Well, and and what I'm excited to hear is that it's gonna be something that you can go into it understanding okay here's what the madness is going to do one of the things that like you know i'm not super high on rng effects and so i i like the idea of having that okay crap my guy is going to go mad but at least i know what that detriment will be in this game even if it changes across games that's very encouraging to hear well we try we try to keep rng you know we don't want it to be like they don't, we don't want too much of it. Right. Yes. We want yeah, players to be able fine. to control the game. Sure. One of the luxuries of making a digital card game is the fact that you can leverage a little bit of RNG um, that you cannot leverage in a physical card game. I and don't actually, know, man. The old school Pokemon card game, half the cards in the base set say flip a coin. <laughs> and if <laughs> something good happens. <laughs> they, they did it back in OG Pokemon. They had the coin flipping mechanic. So they they did, but there was still a <laughs> limit on what the RNG could be. And in a digital card game, right? Like, I mean, you could the heck there was cards in in uh, Hearthstone that would just put a random spell in your hand. You're like, well, that's now one of several hundred cards that I have to guess around well, versus that, you know, the flip like... of a coin. That's also like there used to be just like one or two cards that did that in Hearthstone. Now that's like every other card generates random cards. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, yeah. So, you know, yeah. One of the encouragements was that to hear that you're starting from a physical, you're starting from something physical and you really could not incorporate too much crazy RNG in physical copies of cards. So, if that's where <laughs> you're coming from, it sounds like, you know, this game really won't won't rely too heavily on randomness um, to determine the outcome of a game. Well, this is what we're trying to do. We don't want we don't want it to be too RNG based. Hmm. What were some of the other things that you have seen done that you guys saw done in other games that you wanted to avoid? Is that hmm. a fair question? That one, I mean, that, that's, that might be a little bit deep. I don't. <laughs> that's probably one. <laughs> that's probably one that I should have sent you ahead of time. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's it's just hard to just hard to say. Sure. I mean, I'm sure if you're if you're inspired by a whole by the genre, which is also very exciting for me, then there's probably a lot of things that you've played and you just thought like that ah, that didn't feel very good, you know. We don't want Yog Sharon in our game. Um, <laughs> you know, we don't want the invade mechanic in our game. Um, it, it's cool that you can look at a, a wide range of cards and sort of avoid o- avoid some things. So let's talk a little bit about the just like how how you want to. I don't know. I guess market or what the game's going to look like when it gets out to us in terms of 
are, is this a game that we're going to be able, will there be an upfront cost? Is this going to be similar? Are you guys thinking this is going to be similar to other card games where it's free to play, but you can buy purchase packs and things? Um, is your goal to be kind of like free to play player friendly and, and sell cosmetics with the game? I just out of curiosity, if you're able to share, what's that look like for you guys as a team? Well, since, uh, as I already told you, we wanted to make the game that we would like to play. So, yeah, we actually wanted it to be uh, player friendly. We wanted it, well, we wanted to be free to play with uh, with cosmetics, I guess. So okay. everything else you can just buy for in-game currency. Okay, so the cards are a little bit more easily accessible, not behind like a, a an enormous pay paywall. You can kind of get in and, and start experimenting and playing the game without having to invest a bunch of money up front, and then you can yeah, for you just you can just green them. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I I have a question. Um, and this is just purely uh, because I'm looking at the website and I'm kind of like uh, kind of clicking around and looking at all these cool arts and stuff like that. Like <laughs> this one in particular, I keep coming back to, which is this doctor. I'm not super familiar with any of these people, but like Herbert West, like I love the art on this super Frankenstein-y, which is fun. Um, but I guess uh, not that I got distracted just now, uh, <laughs> but uh, what is the, because I don't think we talked about this and I think I've written down somewhere. Uh, but what are we looking at in terms of when this game is actually gonna gonna drop, gonna or at least be playable for beta or something? Um, I can't give, I can't really give you an exact date for now, but we're thinking something like uh, uh, second half of uh, 2021, mm -hmm. probably. Okay. Well, but uh, there might be alpha or beta tests a bit earlier and of course people who um interview you for a podcast would get the opportunity to uh beta test such an awesome game wink <laughs> wink wink wink, wink. <laughs> sure why not <laughs> so that we can talk about it in the future again um how is how's just been oh i guess another thing that people love this they want to know this always when it comes to a card game what are the tribes or the classes or, you know, whatever the equivalent is in in uh, in your game? I mean, uh, Elder Scrolls Legends has the different tellers or factions. What are the factions in Call of Myth? Well, there are three factions in Call of Myth. It's uh, humans, outer gods, and uh, old ones. And uh, I've, seen, I've seen some comments, I think on facebook or maybe on twitter i can't really recall that uh, maybe the play style will be somehow connected with uh, the faction that you choose mm -hmm. but it won't no it won't so, so your choice of faction will not affect your play style you can basically um, play different archetypes with any faction, really. So I could be uh, an Outer Gods player, but as an Outer Gods player, I could potentially play an, an aggro, a mid-range, or a control deck, 
in the Outer Gods faction. There's, it'll be a big enough card pool in each one of those factions to be able to play different archetypes. Yes, I mean, there will be some limits uh, concerning the leaders themselves, but um, but the factions, they will allow you to play different playstyles, and most of the leaders actually can play different playstyles as well. So tell us about the leaders. How what, what are leaders? How does that work? Well, they basically work like... Um, any heroes in other CCGs, so you have to, you just have to get the, their health to zero to win the game. Well, okay. not always, but most of the time. <laughs> okay. I like that. And do you, and I, oh, go ahead. Well, I just had a quick have, question. Yeah, oh, okay, sorry. Sure. You, uh, Yulia, you will go first, and then I will go, and then Mark will go. Yes, it's, or, it's ordered now. <laughs> Okay, fine. So they also have active ability and passive ability and uh, different amount of health. Some of them have bigger health pool at the beginning of the game and some have smaller. Ooh, I like that. That was going to be my question. So uh, that that reminds me a lot of the, uh, the, the World of Warcraft trading card game that came out um that was out before hearthstone um that has some of the artwork from the trading card game that's in hearthstone and the hero that you chose had a different ability and they had different health totals depending on what class and and character you played yeah that's very similar to like strongholds in l5r the the stats will range based on how strong i guess they judge the strength of the stronghold to be but um yeah now my question is way less sophisticated and it's going to betray my complete <laughs> utter lack of knowledge regarding the uh lovecraftian mythos uh what are the difference between old ones and outer gods i genuinely have no idea that's a great question <laughs> oh god that's actually a hard one <laughs> because well um i'll try to explain my best but i cannot promise you anything well uh, old ones are like God. How do I how do I put it? How do you this explain not... something that cannot be described? <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, there's like this small difference about one of them being mostly on Earth and kind of connected to it, and others being like out out there in space and uh, maybe in other universe or something, maybe in other di- dimension. And it's really hard for me to explain. I opened a bigger can of worms than I knew. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you kind of did. Now, are there are there cultists in the in the outer gods and the old gods um, factions? I mean, I I can't quite remember which one of them have cultists, but uh, probably a lot of them do. Sure. So here's my here's one of my key just like play preference style, I guess. Um, and I want to I just curious about whether or not this will be in the game. Is there uh, is there going to be like a type of deck or a play style you guys are working on that actually benefits from your cards going into madness that like wants to wants to force everybody into madness because it's going to try to 
you know, leverage that madness for its own opportunity? Um, we're still working on this part, actually. But, yeah, we've been thinking about it. Ooh, juicy. Yeah, because that would be so That cool. is really cool. I mean, you, yeah, I, <laughs> the ability to take that inherent detriment and, and turn it to a, a benefit, that, that's just, that's fun. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at these three factions, and I'm trying to decide which one I would want to play. Now, actually, actually, wait, wait. Now, that does bring up, before I forget, because I will forget this, but I wanted to ask it. Because um, I play Legend of the Five Rings, I have for a long time, and one of the things that that game has stressed and is part of the culture surrounding it is the idea of being of having like faction loyalty. Now, digital card games, you really don't see that. You know, you might have some Hearthstone players that like only really play a couple of classes, and but like Tesla, you kind of bounce around between the different classes based on what you felt like playing and what cards you get. Are there going to be? And I guess the closest I can think of right now would be Gwent, which occasionally does faction challenges. But are you guys going to try to emphasize the idea of, you know, picking a faction and getting rewarded for playing that faction more than the others or having some sort of like faction loyalty mechanic? Because that's something that like I've really dived into and have gotten to attach myself to L5R and I can see myself wanting to choose one of these and attach myself, you know, to the old ones or the humans or whatever, you know? Actually, yeah. Actually, I'm not sure about that. Like, what do you mean? By, uh, what kind of reward, rewards? Well, so what I'm thinking of is like, in I guess I'm sort of referencing the idea of like, in Gwent, you have these different faction challenges to play the different factions. But the I feel like it's still kind of lost the cultural idea of, oh, I'm, I'm a monsters player. Or I'm a Northern Realms player, right? The idea of having an identity with your faction is something that I found a lot of love for some of the other games. Like, like I have sort of established it with Gwent. I'm a Monsters player. But a lot of people don't really look at it that way. And, and in, like, Hearthstone, you don't really say, oh, I, I just play Rogue. You know what I mean? Yeah, some people I guess, probably I guess I'm starting to understand what you mean. yeah. Well, the thing is, um, we haven't really got to that part because there's still a lot of work to do and there's still a lot of things to think through, mm-hmm. like uh, our PvE campaigns and stuff like that. And uh, eventually we'll get to it, probably. Sure. But right now we just we just have to focus on what what's already been planned and uh, how to get the game to well some sort of you know working condition sure, so that yeah. you could show it to the people to the players right i get that i i think largely one of the things that like what i what i'm referring to especially with l5r it's it's largely a culture surrounding the game not forcing anyone to play any one thing or even really the rewards. And I think, like I said, I think Gwent does this fairly well. But the idea of, you know, having these factions and saying, you know, your identity, you know, is tied to whatever your favorite faction is is something that I personally find super appealing. 
And I'm really excited about picking one of these factions to get really attached to, you know? I mean, it's it's kind of like uh, like this uh, like this question to the World of Warcraft players, like uh, Horde or Alliance. <laughs> yeah, just like that. That's mm-hmm. actually a perfect comparison. Yeah, I mean, I just I just felt it right now. <laughs> yeah, that that is literally. I mean, I okay, so like I didn't play Warcraft, um, but I I mean one of my best friends uh, is is a diehard, you know, uh, where he's playing, he's probably playing Warcraft, uh, World of Warcraft classic right now, probably across the <laughs> hall. From me. Uh, but like that idea, yeah, Horde Alliance, you know, um, you know, in L5R, what clan are you? In Gwent, I play monsters. In, in Call of Myth, I'm really just excited to figure out which faction is right for me. And that's just something that I love to see communities encouraged in that regard to have that that faction loyalty is something that i i love to see at least from devs yeah and it seems like you guys have sort of lined yourself up to do that almost naturally um because i feel like in games like the elder scrolls legends people didn't really have a loyalty to a specific class very often because they had a loyalty more to a play style, right? Yeah. I'm a control player, I'm an aggregate player, I'm a mid-range player, and there were multiple classes that could do that in multiple ways. Whereas this, you sort of flipped the switch and you said, listen, we actually have we actually have almost more play styles than we have factions. And you can play any of the play styles inside of any one of the factions. So instead of uh, I'm a mid-range player and I play, you know, mid-range battle mage i play mid-range sorcerer and i play you know mid-range veteran um you can be like well no i'm uh, i play i play the human faction play you know a lot of human like different variants of the human stuff because i'm familiar with the human cards i I have a couple of decks in the human you know i think that you're kind of lending yourself to that because at first glance like three factions doesn't seem like a tremendous amount but once you realize that you can play any of the various archetypes in the game from any of the three factions, I think that opens up a lot more doors for you to say, yes, like I'm an old gods player or, or an old ones player. I'm an outer gods player. Um, and, I, you know, I think identity is a very important thing for people to be able to come up, come up with in card games. And it happens a lot when you first start playing a game, but it lessens and wanes the larger your collection gets because... Mm-hmm you're no longer strapped to just trying to i mean when i started playing legends i was a scout player because that's the <laughs> only thing you that had. I could get the cards <laughs> for um but as i built my collection i didn't have to be a scout player anymore um i could play a lot of different stuff seems like call of myth you're gonna have that in any card game but it seems like it's lending itself more to that and that's really exciting to me yeah. Well, this was generally the idea. We didn't want players to have to pick a faction because of a playstyle. We wanted them to just uh, pick something they liked more. Yes, that's yeah. awesome. So I have I have one more question. DVN, do you have one more question? Uh, it depends on what your question is. You go ahead and ask. Okay, here, here's my question. How has the Call of Myth team been received by the community? Like the the tc the the ccg community at large um how how do you guys feel like you've been received by the community so far um so far the community has been really nice i mean reading all these comments and seeing everyone so hyped it's it's really motivating and i i didn't really expect to 
to get this kind of feedback, this kind of reaction, especially so early on. I mean, there's no there's no beta yet. There's no alpha. There's no anything. We just have a Twitter and some some pictures to show and everyone's talking about us and it's been really nice and talking to the fans well the community i guess the fans is a bit of a it's too big a word for now but still talking to people in discord was also very nice and everyone's trying to offer us some help with the development or localization or anything so I think the community has been great so far. Yeah, and, and you definitely have some really good community members that I know personally that came from Tessel who are in your Discord. Um, and I would encourage anybody to get in there and check it out. And you're right. There are people who are like, man, they're hyped. They want to get their hands on these cards. They yeah. want to get their hands. <laughs> they want their paws on this game. The thing I've seen over and over again is when can I play it? When can I play it? When can I play it? Let me, you know, and by extension, let me spend money on this thing, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, this was this was the scariest moment because um, we we still have a lot to do, and it's really kind of early in the development. And people are asking, so is the game gonna come out this year? And we're like, oh my god, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because we still have. There's going to be like uh, more than 300 cards and we need artwork for all of them and we need to test all of them, which is a lot of work. And basically, yeah, there's still a lot to do. And five people to do it all. Well, we hope to get a bit more people eventually, but so far, yes. Well, feel free to email me if you want some play testers. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm free and available. I'm happy to play test. <laughs> yeah, I just I cannot wait. It, it looks. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, <laughs> it looks so fun and and honestly, like the the lane mechanic has me. I, I'm a sucker for lane mechanics, so that has me super intrigued. <laughs> and you know, I'm going down to see DBN here in August this year. So if you if you wanted to, you know, even send over an envelope with a bunch of paper cards in it, Ooh, uh, we would sit around a table <laughs> and try out the paper version. Uh, I'm, I'm quite confident that we would. <laughs> <laughs> we, would we genuinely would. I, I can see us burning hours and hours with these paper. I yeah. want the old art, though. <laughs> I want, the, I want the, the beginning stage of the art, darn it. <laughs> there might yes. be there might be cosmetic uh, cosmetic uh, with old arts, but we're still thinking. Oh about my it. god, are you? That is awesome. <laughs> I would one hundred percent buy a squiggly hand drawn Cthulhu. A hundred percent. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, DVN, what's your last question? Because uh, uh, you know. Well, my last question is simply, uh, how can fans, what is the best way? And honestly, I would say I'm I'm a fan. I'm I'm a fan of the effort and the, the, I don't know, just one of the things that I have so much respect for is people who have a vision and are willing to pursue it, you know, even if it's hard, even if they're, they have limited resources. And so like just seeing, frankly, the level 
uh, of this art and the the mechanics and the thoughtfulness going into it with the team, you know, as small as you guys, I, I am a fan. And for fans like me and Mark, what can we do? Uh, and this is kind of, you know, mildly leading question, but what can we do to get involved, to stay connected? How would you recommend us, um, you know, keeping up with what's going on with the Call of Myth team? Well, basically, you can actually see everything that's going on on our Twitter and our Discord. We try to uh, we try to update you guys like on everything that's happening. So if there's any news, you'll get them. Okay, so Twitter. What and what's the Twitter handle? What? Well, what is the what's the Twitter handle like? What 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 do I search for to find you guys on Twitter? Is it just at Call of Myth? It is. I just looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, that was... I mean it's it's that simple. <laughs> yes, at Call of Myth on Twitter. I'm I'm on it right now. Yes, if you're looking for some good but disturbing artwork that will drive you to madness, and all oh, the news man. going on for Call of Myth, that's the place to go. Well, I'm just, I just love the concept art. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's excellent. Oh, um, Okay. I, I, I think, I don't know. Does that just about do it? I think I, I have exhausted my, uh, my questions, but not my curiosity. Uh, but I don't think we should force Yulia to be on the line any longer. Yulia, no. you need to go get some sleep. <laughs> Yeah, you got to yeah, get some that's, rest. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, Yulia, thank you so much for joining us here at Legends Cast. We really deeply, deeply appreciate it. And we're looking forward to staying connected with the Call of Myth team over the next year or so uh, as you guys are, you know, getting ready for beta and things. So if there's any ever thing that, you know, we over here at Legends Cast and do for you guys, don't hesitate to reach out to us. And if there's ever, uh, you know, any way that we can help you or you want to come back on the show in the future and talk about where you guys are with everything, feel, feel free to reach out because we'd love to have you back on. Yeah, I oh, definitely. Thank you, guys. That's sweet. I, we definitely love to have you guys back on. Uh, you know, I, I'd love to, heck, six, seven months from now, I want an update. I want to I want to be able to chat with you guys and, and keep getting a, a read on what all is going on with y'all. So thank you so much, definitely. And I had a blast. Uh, talking about this i've gotten like i was already i was already pretty interested and excited for it and i i've gotten myself all worked up now and i'm just super hyped <laughs> thank you guys oh uh, thank you so much julia and uh and hey have a great night and uh and we'll definitely be checking back in with the call of myth team soon okay guys that's gonna do it uh for us here on legends cast for episode number 27 we really hope that you enjoyed this episode if you're wanting to get in contact with us man we'd love to connect with you um dbn how can people uh, get connected with you and what you're doing yeah so best way to message me and to chat about whatever it is uh would be through discord uh but if you have a simple message or you are looking to i don't know if you don't do discord you can always check me out on twitter and dm me uh and so that is uh, at dead broke nerd uh, you also can check out my YouTube page, Dead Broke Nerd. I post at least one video a week right now, but normally three. And once I get my work schedule under control and get used to that con conditioned, uh, I will be getting back to at least three videos a week and, and maybe even a fourth with with Rutera. Maybe I might get that going on, on once a week. So 
Um, yeah, catch me there. You can see me playing various decks and various games. Um, so that is a great opportunity. Eventually, I do want to get back to Twitch streaming, but I am not ready to do that yet. But if you want to check that out anyways, twitch.tv slash deadbrokenerd. And as always, I try to tell you guys this. If you want, if you're in our Discord, this is kind of a message to the people in our Discord. If you're in our Discord and you are, you know, active in the general channel or any of the channels, Tesla, Mythgard, whatever, and you want me to see something, uh, don't just post hoping I'll see it. You can go ahead and tag me. It won't bother me. At, the pings aren't going to mess with me at work. You can ping me. Uh, and when I get off work, when I get a chance to check Discord, I can check it out uh, and uh, and see what you want me to see. You can also message me if you have any questions about some of the games I play. Uh, or I don't have a ton of time to like really get deep into talking about life or everything. But I'm happy to give feedback on card game stuff and um, little share deck lists, whatever. I, like that. That's what I love doing. And I love connecting with you guys in that way. So I'm always happy to receive those messages. Yeah. And you can get connected with me. The best way to do that is actually to get connected with me over the discord. Um, I do check that throughout the day. I don't keep discord on my phone or my tablet anymore, just for just the desire to be more present with my family when I'm with them. But I do check discord usually in the morning before I head to the office and I'm on in the evening. So you can, and I, I usually read through just about everything. But the other two ways is I'm going to be um, streaming some Legends of Runeterra on Twitch over the next couple of weeks. Um, I will probably not stream only for maybe like an hour or two in a couple of evenings over the next week. Um, uh, probably starting at like eight, 9 or 10 p.m. EST. Um, and uh, my Twitch uh, handle is, um, that's twitch.tv slash the 113lift. And honestly, other than that, the, the game that I've been playing the most of, which I'd love to play with more people, is ESO or Elder Scrolls Online. Have been really, really loving that game. And so if you would like to uh, get connected with me on there, just send me a friend request on ESO. Um, and I am at the 113 lift on there as well. So send me a friend request on ESO if you play ESO. Would love to get connected with you and, and play some ESO with you. Um, but that's it. That's the best way to get connected with me. That's going to do it for episode number 27 or whatever episode this is of Legends Cast. And, uh, and we'll catch you guys back here hopefully next week.